right, Beacon, cut the music. Here we are, episode three, Six Inside Podcast. I'm with the usual crew, plus a special guest to announce later on. We're going to start off here. Obviously, this will be another college basketball-themed one, but we're going to get into a little bit of the general news. First off being Chris Levert, finally, ever since the trade deadline, essentially saved his life. He will be returning tonight for the Indiana Pacers, which is just an absolutely phenomenal story, and I know we are all absolutely thrilled for him. And a little more sombering news, though. COVID has reared its ugly head again in the NCAA tournament, canceling the tournaments of Duke, UVA, and Kansas. I know this is a major concern going forward to see how this will end up affecting the tournament. Fingers crossed it won't, though. Anything to add to that? Yeah, I'm just nervous about how it's going to affect the bubble. So you got to just hope that the teams coming into the tournament all test negative before. Otherwise, we're going to have to look at probably maybe some replacement teams. So maybe those bubble teams that don't make the tournament are fingers crossed that they get the guys that get in above them get COVID, God forbid. But I think that's like, that's going to be a major story. Hopefully it doesn't ruin like a one seed. Like that's how you get your second 16 over a one type of deal. I'm really hoping that's not the case. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the committee kind of deals with it, whether they just have like replacement ones. So like if that one seed gets caught, maybe the two seed bumps up and everybody bumps up a level in that bracket and there's a new 11 or 12 seed. But uh, it's something to keep an eye on. Hopefully it doesn't affect Kansas and UVA's tournament chances. Like I'm hoping they still are able to make the tournament. I'm sure, I think Virginia for sure, they mentioned that they're going to like that they were fine, but I'm sure Kansas is probably in the same boat. Uh, but I'm hoping that's the extent of it and there's nothing more to come from it, but I guess we'll see. Gotta yeah. There was, there was a thing that came out yesterday that said the tournament committee had no hesitation saying that Virginia and Kansas will be in the tournament. So that clears as up long as there's no more further COVID problems with those teams, they should be playing. So they're only the only requirement to make the tournament is having five negative players. So that'll be good. I don't know why they didn't set it to three like Alabama a few years ago with Colin Sexton. <laughs> but it is what it is. That'll Speaking of the SEC, we have our special guest here for hot takes, Jake Hot. Here's what this is going to be. This will be a weekly segment in which Mr. Hot here will give us his hot takes. Hot take it away. Hey guys, I uh, appreciate you guys uh, having me on. I've uh, become a big fan of the podcast and uh, looking to give you guys some uh, hot takes for you guys to discuss. Perfect. Welcome. So my first hot take uh, goes to our home conference, the Big East. Um, Travis Steele. My hot take is that he will be fired either – this year, but most likely next year if Xavier misses the tournament. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Travis Steele's underperformed every year he's been there, especially last year. He had a great roster last year with Tyreek Jones, Najee Marshall, Quentin Gooden, uh, Paul Scruggs. That's a pretty solid starting lineup. And according – like after Kamar Baldwin hit that three in their face, they weren't probably making the tournament unless they went on a run in the Big East. And that's pretty bad. For a team that has that much talent, Travis Steele's kind of gotten a pass for some reason. I'm not really sure why. But he's definitely hyped up in the media as more of a good coach than he is. So in terms of this take, I'm totally for it. I I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think Xavier's really underperformed last year. Not as much this year because they kind of lost some talent, but they were in a great position to make the tournament coming into the Big East or coming into like the last week before they lost two in a row. So I think Travis Steele's kind of got to figure it out. Uh, I mean, I hope they keep him if he's going to keep underperforming because that only helps the dogs. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. disagree with this hot take. He signed a extension through 2023 and 2024 season uh, just uh, like a year and a half ago. That is gonna. That would be a huge buyout for Xavier. It seems like um, kind of a smaller private school. Um, obviously, they've got a big basketball program, so maybe something they can afford. But I feel like having signed that extension, that they'll let him ride it out and see if he can kind of bring them back to what they were before they lost Chris Mack to Louisville. Yeah, and going off that, I think. You know, it'd be hard for any coaches to kind of step in for Chris, like Chris Mack, who's a great coach, and just kind of take over that program and have success right away. So I, I agree with Xavier's move to give him maybe a little bit more time to see if he can pull something together and kind of figure it out. 
but that's, I feel like that's tough to kind of just step into like that head coaching role um, when you're an assistant, like, you know, the program and everything, but I feel like that, that can be a tough adjustment. And uh, I, I do like Xavier's move of extending his contract, giving him some more time. He's a Butler grad. You got to give him some credit. So I like the move. See, I, uh, I disagree here just with hot saying it's a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take at all. I think he is. Cons- this man has consistently underperformed here. And I think if he does it again next season, his seat should be on fire. There is absolutely no reason a team of that talent level should have nothing to show for it. Even this year, too. You know, while the Xavier team wasn't really anything in comparison to last year's team, this Butler team was horrible. We talked about <laughs> it. We talked about it every single week. That alone makes the entire season worth it that we beat them. And just how humiliating, too. That's what no our Aaron Thompson either. No Aaron Thompson, and that's what our second Big East win ever in the tournament. That, yep. that's, yeah, it's incredible. It's the second it, one it, ever. It's horrible. It's an absolutely horrible look. Um, I hope he's able to get it together for next season. You know, if you look at the Butler connection there, it definitely does us no favors. And another, another, th- another thing is, I didn't realize this was his third year as the head mm-hmm, coach. Mm-hmm. So that means he will have missed the tournament in his first three years after when, once he took over the team there was a one seed with uh, Chris Mack before that yeah. and they haven't seen that much of a drop off in recruiting in my opinion and for them to just consistent if you go 0 for 4 in your first four years of missing the tournament I mean people around here I'm from the Cincinnati area um, people are not happy with him and my brother, who went to Xavier, um, he wanted him fired, too. He's a big fan, and he wants him fired right now. Um, so that, that's where I'm coming from as well. But, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, I think it's something to be uh, considered. Um, you know, it's hard following up having a one seed, but – what I think is the problem with the Travis Steele era so far is they've kind of lost that like chip on their shoulder, like that aggressive, like physical team. They used to be looked at uh, as the villain in the big yeah, like, I yeah, feel like they I were feel, the villain. Yeah, I feel like they've lost kind of that swagger and that's yeah. hurting I feel like that's hurting them and they kinda of need to bring that back if they're gonna return to relevancy. But yeah, so we, go we can move on from that. So going into the next hot take of mine, um, which I also don't know if it's that much of a hot take, uh, but I feel like IU basketball has become the Texas of college football. Um, Texas, you could also throw in Michigan as well, but I think it more aligns with Texas. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? I'll start in with this one as an IU fan. I – I'll have to say that I agree with this hot take, unfortunately. I've always been one to love bashing on Texas and Michigan for having that high expectations and went going eight and four every year kind of type teams. And, I mean, this IU basketball program has just been cycling through coaches. They can't get it right. Um, You know, this team this year had way too much talent to be two games under 500. They were good at the beginning of the year and even in the middle, and then it just fell apart. Um, I don't know. I I really think the issue with Archie Miller is player development. I really haven't seen a lot of player development uh, throughout. I mean, Rob Finnessy has gotten worse, if anything. Um, the only player I've seen really get better is Trace Jackson Davis, and that's just because he was a five-star. He's already a beast. Um, what about Armand? I mean, yeah, Armand's gotten a lot better, but I feel like I feel like that's not like overall as a team, like you just don't see the player development and compared to the Big Ten, like you gotta be ahead of that. And I I mean, I'm on the fire Archie Miller train. It's it would be expensive to IU for sure, but we gotta find somebody that's gonna be right and bring this program back to relevancy. Yeah, just to add to this a little bit, 
The only way I will disagree with this hot take is the fact that IU is keeping their best talent in the state of Indiana, and Texas is not. If you just look at the recruiting uh, profiles from football, like any player that's in the state of Texas is not going to Texas if you're in the top 15. You're going to Bama, you're going to Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. So in terms of that, IU is still somehow keeping that. So they still do have that high regard within the state of being like a blue blood and a place that's very desirable to go, where Texas has just lost that completely. Nobody wants to go to Texas anymore. So in terms of that, i definitely say IU maybe is still hanging on to a little bit of relevance, at least in-state for sure. They still have that respect. Like they get Romeo Lankford, they get TJD, they get guys that had offers from a bunch of different schools and they're still keeping those guys in town or in state. The only people that you look at from the top of the state that aren't going to IU are guys that are going to like La Loom who aren't really from Indiana in the first place. So I think once they start losing those guys to maybe like Ohio State or teams surrounding or even Purdue and like Notre Dame and those types of schools, that's when you really have to worry about IU's relevance within the state because outside Indiana, nobody, everybody just doesn't respect Indiana anymore. So they really need to hit on their next coach. I agree with you. I think Archie's done. I don't yeah, see how they I was keep say, him. He hasn't beaten Purdue in four years. Like, how do you keep a guy that hasn't beaten your best or your biggest rival? So do you think it's mostly like just a coaching thing? Because they are getting talent. Like they get still they get the best recruits around like the Indiana area. Like do you think I think it's, it's a culture thing. thing. Culture. I think it's a culture thing. Like Kylie was saying, they've started out well. I mean, last season and this season. Last season they beat Florida State, who was a top what were they a two seed they're gonna be a two seed mm-hmm. probably last year and just no backbone in the team they just like as soon as they hit adversity it just kind of like they mm-hmm. plummet and I think that's definitely partly coaching and the culture that the coaching's created it's just kind of like a losing atmosphere and I don't want to say this like yeah. but they're just breeding a bunch of losers and that's I, like just not how you, that's not Indiana basketball I think that you brought up a couple great points um one thing that Archie Miller has been able to do is get those big in-state recruits that's something that Tom Crean really struggled with when he was there and all of the fan base was like why can't we even get the in-state guys like why are we getting these guys from all over that like we're not having any success really and now that Archie's in here and he's getting the top recruits there's still not success um so I don't know I think I agree that it is a culture issue there's no fight in this team if you watch them this year. Like, at the end of every game, they're always in it, and then it just falls apart. There's no fight at the end. And, like, I think that starts with the, like, wanting to play for your coach, wanting to play, like, have that fire at the end. Uh, I just feel like they're not having any fun, like, under Archie Miller. And it just looks like it's kind of a toxic program right now. I just want to add one thing before we move on. Uh I just I, I think they should have just stayed with Tom Crean. I know he wasn't getting those in-state recruits, but like he got them a one seed, and then the obviously the year he got fired, they had a bad season. But the season before, they were they, they didn't they beat Kentucky that year? Yeah, they yep. beat Kentucky. Yep. They lost to North Carolina, who I think ended up winning the championship that year. Like, I I feel like he should have had a lot more leeway with that. Like he was yeah maybe he's not getting the in-state guys, but he still he got Cody Zeller, who was mm-hmm. a stud like Indiana people, but like. <laughs> Yogi Ferrell, he, he got him. But I don't know. He, I, I think they should have kept Tom Crean. I think he, he was a much better recruiter, and he could at least run some semblance of an offense, too. Like, they would at least be fun to watch. I use just kind of boring to watch. But we'll see. I think Archie Miller's probably – if he doesn't get fired this year, he's probably done next year. He misses mm-hmm. again. But 100%. We can move on to the next time. Real quick on – tagging on Crean real quick. Uh, first off, I agree here with everything that you guys are saying. But with Crean, I think – a big issue for them was the furthest he ever, he ever got was a sweet 16 and he yeah. was never able to push those teams past that. You know, if you're there for nine seasons or so, especially Indiana basketball, like it's freaking Indiana basketball. Mm-hmm. You're expected to go further than a sweet 16. Um, yeah. I do think it's a culture thing. You get the number one kid in the state last year and then can't do anything with it. You can't even beat Purdue again. That's just embarrassing. No, no disrespect to Purdue, by the way. Yeah. Purdue's a great program. Shout out, Matt Painter. And yeah, I want to, I want to add one thing. On, I, I think the, um, I think both of these programs are like kind of grasping for straws um, when when it comes to coaches now. Like you saw, like Texas was all out on trying to get Urban Meyer, and obviously they they're not going to get him now. You see IU going all in for Brad Stevens, yeah. and I, it, I. I 
I feel like they're both programs are just getting desperate because the chances of landing either one of those two for those programs especially or slim to none. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to see uh, if they do indeed fire Archie, who they go after and who mm-hmm. they can actually get. Should be Beeline. They Beeline should be number one on that list, but. Mm-hmm. Right. That is, yeah. So, yeah, moving into the last uh, hot take of mine, um, as a, a more of a bandwagon Kentucky fan, I like to call myself, I'm from the state of Kentucky, um, BJ Boston, in my opinion, will not be a first-round draft pick if he will declare for the upcoming NBA draft. What do you guys think about this? Well, everybody knows where I stand on that. I hated BJ Boston coming out of high school. I thought he was, I don't know. I just thought he was so overrated and I'm glad he kind of proved me right. I, I want AIDS's opinion on this because Aiden is the NBA guy. He, he's the draft guy. So I want to see where he stands on this. I'm sure he likes his potential, maybe not what he put out this season, but if you just base it off of right now, like watching what he actually physically put out on the court, he's not a first round pick. He's like a project second round pick in my opinion. But that's also he's also 19. So Aiden, take it away. I want to hear you. Yeah, take. so I, I disagree here. I think he is still a first round pick, although he's in that tier of players that'll go somewhere in the 20s probably. I could see him going as early as 18 if a team falls in love with him. His stats weren't necessarily there, although when you have a guy of his measurables especially coming from a school like Kentucky where you've had players consistently come out that have underperformed in college and then turned into pretty good players. You know, I, I think to shake Alexander didn't necessarily underperform in college, but he, his stats didn't really, you know, pop off the page at all. And then he ended he was up the best turning, player on that team though. Right. And he, you know, he turned into what he turned into today. Uh, you mm-hmm. have Malik Monk, who was a stud uh, Maxi as well. You have these players who they show glimpses here and there out of Kentucky, but for whatever reason, aren't able to put it together. I do think it might be in his best interest to return for a second year. I could see him in next year's class actually making a lot of noise, moving up in the lottery potentially. But I I do think with his height, with his shooting ability, he only shot a, he shot 30% from the three-point line. Not good. The number was higher at one point this year. Uh, let me pull up his free throw percentage shot about 80% from the line. So I, I don't think he's dead to rights necessarily, but when you have a kid that tall as a guard, I feel like someone will take the chance on him at the end of the first round. I totally agree with that. And I think there's no shot that he comes back for a second year, by the way, Kentucky, their brand is one and done. That's what cap 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 party loves it. So there's no shot he comes back for his second year. He's going to take the risk of going into the draft. Um, I, I don't think he'll slip the second round just because, like Age was saying, his measurables. NBA is all about measurables. He's 6'7". You know, if he could get the three-point percentage up, um, I think he'll be fine. I don't know how he's going to do well, if he's going to perform to the expectations that everyone wants him to perform at, but I don't know. We'll see. I still think he's going to go in the first round, though. I think he's end of first round. I agree with that. Um, he's been he came out of high school, uh, kind of known as that great shooter, kind of compared to KD, which is a tough comparison coming out of high school. But he really struggled as a shooter this year. Um, when that's your main kind of trait, obviously he can do more, but that's your main trait and he struggled this year. I think he definitely is falling down draft boards. Uh, I agree he'll probably go out this year. I think he'll be kind of in the 20 range of the draft. So it'll be interesting to see what he decides. But, yeah. The comparison that I've recently heard about him here is Kevin Martin Jr., who was in the league for a long time. If you look at their college shooting percentages, too, specifically, you have to take Kmart's worst season, obviously, but both of them shot around 30% from the three-point line, around low 40s in field goal percentage, and Kmart's free throw percentage was a little bit higher. But just based on games, I really like that comparison. You know, they're both 6'7", around the same weight, too. So Isn't that, Kenyon Martin, like, triple the size, though? Kevin. Kevin Martin, okay. not Kenyon. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, uh, gonna, the guy, the guy that got traded for uh, the headliner in the James Harden trade. About uh, eight years Porter. ago. 
Oh, oh my God! Who are you? I don't no, even know Kev, who the hell you you're don't talking remember about. Kevin Martin? He, uh, no. he Does he anybody plays... remember? I'm Kevin not gonna Martin? lie. Yeah. I heard yeah. you say Kevin Martin. I have no idea who that is. No, <laughs> I, I know. I know you were talking Never about. Heard of him. You'll you'll know him based on his shooting form. Eight years he, ago. <laughs> yeah, dude, he played for the. Uh, he was with the Kings, Rockets, psycho. Thunder, yeah. T Wolves. <laughs> he was a pretty good player. Really? Yeah, he, yeah, he's solid. <laughs> yeah, he he went to. Uh, I he have went no idea who you were talking about. That's that's. Saying, but yeah, sure. Totally love the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I don't know. I BJ Boston's kind of like he was really hyped up, and I'm kind of over him. But <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was probably he needs to put on some pounds. I think I think that's his biggest thing because he definitely couldn't get into the paint. If you watch him, he'd go in and then just get uh, he just get shoved like in the paint and. I think that's his biggest thing is finishing because I think he'll be able to create his own shot, like his own jump shot. So it's more about how he can do when he's playing against men. And I think a year in the G League will definitely help that out. So he needs to go to a contender type of team that doesn't really need him right now, maybe in a year or two. Yep. But yeah. It, those, think, those are the teams in the 20s too. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I think we can move on. Jake Hot, I appreciate your hot takes. I look forward to them in the future. Unless they're about firing Laval Jordan, who I still am kind of high on, so don't come here with that one. Uh, I appreciate hot. you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'll yeah. see you later. Shout out, hot. Shout out, hot. But moving on, it is March, so we have to talk about college basketball now in terms of conference tournaments. Let's get some reactions on what's been happening. Just for pref or to um. Uh, set the stage. It's March 13th. It's 11.15 a.m. So that's Saturday, championship Saturday. I think the first game tipped off, Hartford. So we're not going to be talking about a 16 seed. But let's talk about some of the games that have happened, just some quick reactions and in terms of teams that m- maybe surprised you. So I think we got to talk about Oklahoma State first. 100%. I think, I think they're the hottest team in the nation right now. I mean, they're really coming together when it matters. Knocked off Baylor. Like that's an insane win. I didn't think I didn't think Oklahoma State had a shot. I thought it was gonna be close the entire game, but seeing them actually beat them, like I was very impressed. I think Kate Cunningham is a real deal. Um, I'm sure A's agrees with me. I think he's gonna be the number one draft pick. Yep. His, he's six seven, he's a point guard, he's a decent shooter, like it's unbelievable. His passing, his vision is great. Um, but I I'm high on Oklahoma State right now, especially knocking off Baylor. My main reaction to conference tournaments so far has been that I think this bracket is way more wide open than I thought it was going to be. I think that I thought that at the beginning of the season, and then it seemed like some teams were starting to separate themselves and kind of make that elite, like, oh, here's 10 teams that are actually have a chance to win. And after these tournaments, I have no idea. I think – any team is bound, like, could see an upset. Um, I mean, you got Georgetown making the Big East championship. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if they beat Creighton tonight, who wants to play Georgetown? Like, nobody. I mean, they're 500 team. Um, Patrick Ewing has got a chip on their shoulder. They're playing. They're tough. hungry. Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, they just beat a good Seton Hall team who's on the bubble. Um, Anymore. I mean, and if they if they win, it'll be they're gonna steal a bid from a bubble team, and that's gonna be chaos. But what do you, what do you think it says for Villanova without Gillespie losing to Georgetown? I not think pretty, not pretty. <laughs> I think so too. Their first I'm round thinking, exit. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking first round, they're done. first round exit. Yeah. I think they'll probably be a five or six seed, and they're losing to they're losing to an eleven or twelve. I don't care who it is. I'm not. Villanova's not making it out of the first round. Uh, another team that we need to talk about. Jack and I were in the building for it. Illinois looks amazing. We'll see how they do against Iowa tonight. But if you're talking about hot teams in the nation, I think there's. I don't think there's anybody hotter than Illinois right now. They are on fire. They just blew out a decent Rutgers team. That's about what kind of team they'll be playing in the second round of the tournament, either like a seventh or a ten, depending on what seed Illinois gets. They looked. Outstanding. Io masked Io is the real masked Io is we the love, real deal. We love masked Never Io. Take that off. Yeah, he shouldn't. He looks like Batman. It's pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> another team that I really like that made another great impression. Uh, honestly, Creighton. I think uh, UConn was a really hot team coming into the tournament, and they 
beat them. It was a close game. I think it's gonna, that's a good, good indicator of how Creighton is. I think they go as far as Zagorowski takes them because uh, you kind of know what you're going to get from their other guys like Mahoney, Damian Jefferson, Christian Bishop, and Balak. But uh, Zagorowski was the preseason player of the year in the or first team all biggies. I don't think he was, I think Gillespie was first team or uh, player of the year. But Zagorowski, if he can get that consistent three ball, he, they are going to be a really dangerous team. He adds another element to that roster that they don't, they didn't really have all season or it was at least inconsistent. So I really love Creighton. And then the last thing that I kind of want to mention before I open the floor back up is uh, this Florida state team. UNC was hot coming into that game and Florida state just kind of neutralized them. Another close game. Like I was saying uh, with the last game that I was talking about Creighton, but I think Florida state's, kind of got that bounce back. They kind of finished the season on a bad note, the regular season, losing to Notre Dame. But I think – I'm assuming they're going to beat Georgia Tech. Uh, they're kind of a matchup nightmare for them. Moses Wright's going to get in foul trouble right away, and then they kind of get derailed after that, at least my opinion. But in Florida State's trending upwards for me. And then – oh, shoot, sorry, one more. Colorado, I still really like them. I think they're probably the favorites for the Pac-12. Like I said last podcast at that four-seed dark horse – but, yeah, those are my teams. Yeah, so I wanted to really quickly touch on a few as well. Uh, I'll take the other side of that Creighton game, UConn. I think Creighton is a phenomenal team. I think UConn also is a phenomenal team. I wanted to see how UConn would – obviously, UConn blew the doors off of the ball. That wasn't really too surprising to me. But seeing them be able to go in, play Creighton, who is – Creighton's a very, very talented team. And being able to see UConn – compete with them and you know they could have won that game too I still really think this UConn team is the real deal I was able to catch Michigan yesterday too they took a close game against Maryland had their coach get ejected and then the other four head coaches that they have on their coaching staff took over and ended up just pulling away from Maryland absolutely love that team the only concern though uh, they did announce today Isaiah Livers is out indefinitely for them that's which, which will be a massive, massive loss. So I'll be interested to see how they look against Ohio State today. And then the last team I wanted to touch on here was uh, – I'll piggyback on Oklahoma State a little bit. The, the grit of that team to take the really, really close game that they played against West Virginia literally two days ago in which Kate played – Kate played pretty well, but he had a lot of turnovers. And, you yeah, know, he didn't deal with that double team well. That's what I was yeah, going to say. He, he if did you want to beat them, you double team Cade. It was – and, you know, West Virginia is known for known for that traditionally, but it, it yeah. really got through to him. He had six turnovers. Yeah. He ended up getting the win. But being able to come off of that win the day before in a close taxing game to then beat Baylor by nine, that's, that's extremely impressive to me. This is a – this is the real deal. And to me, that game last night, that was Cade's signature game. If there was any doubt of him going first overall, there should not be any yeah. I want to mention something for Oklahoma State, too. Uh, kind of somebody who doesn't get a lot of praise, likely coming back was a huge bonus for them. He's been out for, I think, a month, I want to say. I'll double check that. But he's, he's a freak on the boards. And I think he adds an extra element to them. Let's see. He's been out since February 27th. So he's been out for like half a month. Uh, he's been awesome since he's been back. He's been – stats might not show it, but he's been really lively on the boards and he's gotten people in foul trouble. He kind of kept them in that game. And then Avery Anderson for Oklahoma State too has turned into a great secondary player for Oklahoma State. So I think those – they have a really solid core. And I really like Oklahoma State to make a run. They don't – Advanced analytics don't really love them, but I think that's kind of due to the beginning of the season. They kind of started out low in terms of all that because a lot of these players were kind of question marks and they're all really coming into their own come to the right time. So I think uh, Oklahoma State, like everybody else has said, awesome team, definitely somebody to watch. They're probably going to end up being like a three or four seed now. We'll see if they win tonight, three seed probably, two or three. Uh, I really, really like Oklahoma State like everybody else does. What a uh, fine Mike Boynum was too. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. What a winner they got there. Yeah, they got really lucky with him. And it helps that he got the best player in the nation his, what, his fourth year there. And, Just real I mean, quick, um, two teams that I wanted to talk about that I've, I liked watching in the conference tournament. Uh, they lost, so they're not going to be conference champions, but they looked good. And uh, 
think they can do some damage in March is North Carolina. I really like them against um, – shoot, who are they playing? Uh, I'm spacing on it now, but they it was a close game throughout. And then at Virginia the Tech. end – Yep, Virginia Tech. And then at the end, they just they just gave it to their bigs. They have two bigs that play at the same time, Baycott and – Harrison Brooks. Yep. And they – I mean, that's a matchup nightmare. Uh, not every team that's going to be in March has big guys that can contain that. Uh, they're mobile and they're aggressive. When they're crashing the offensive glass, no team can beat that. I mean, with the, those guards that they have, Caleb Love, uh, Davis, mm-hmm. when they kick it out to them, uh, when their bigs are being aggressive, I mean, that's a, that's a really yeah. tough team. Another one I wanted to mention was um, UConn as well. They're tough. Um, that at the end, that was heartbreaking. If you're a UConn fan, had three shots to potentially tie it up and take it to overtime, and even with Book Night too, um, I think they're going to be a really tough out. Um, and also Purdue, Purdue against. Uh, bat- battling back from 19 down at half against that Ohio State. Um, they're really good. And having that 7-4 ED, that's uh, alongside – Travion Williams. Alongside Travion Williams, yeah. first He's team all Big He's Ten. Good. And then you add in Jaden Ivey, guys like that. They're all-around solid team. So, there's some teams that got bounced early from their conference tournaments, but they're going to be tough in March still. Yeah. I think UConn, they book night probably played his worst game since he's been back and they almost won. So that's all you need to really know about UConn. They're right now Lenardi has them at his eight or nine. Oof. If I'm a one seed and Dangerous. I see UConn, uh, no thank you. Like Baylor, no the way they've been playing the last month, I would not want to see them if I were Baylor or Michigan. That's a horrible matchup. I think Gonzaga and Illinois probably can handle that a little better, but we'll see. So I mean, we'll move on now. So we kind of talked about the teams that are pro- solidly in the tournament. Got some bubble teams, bubble teams that are playing today that kind of need to see some things go their way in order to make the tournament. Uh, one team that's playing today, Memphis, they play Houston. If they win, they're pretty much in. So that's one team that I am keeping my eye on right now. I really like uh, what Penny Hardaway's kind of gotten that team into. They started off pretty bad, but they've turned into a pretty solid team. They almost beat Houston on their home court, barring that three-point shot from Mark. Yeah, that buzzer beater. That game was insane. Yeah. So I think they're a team to look out for. Utah State kind of got them solidly in the tournament with their win yesterday, I think, against Colorado State. Um, anybody you guys want to talk about? Otherwise, we have a blind resume that I kind of want to, you guys to look at. It kind of involves the teams on that bubble. So we could, cut, we could take a look at that. And then, I'm, glad, I'm glad I think Syrac- uh, Syracuse seems like they're pretty solidly going to get yeah, in on the bubble. I think and I'm, I, I'm very happy to see that after being able to watch them play uh that that last game against uva they played a very good game i was one of the people who when buddy Bayham came in thought oh you know your dad's the head coach what's the big deal it's another one of these but he is he he was he was the real deal i i did not believe it i will admit i was 100 percent wrong but being able to watch that team compete with a team like virginia who would then go on to lose to COVID, i guess but um, <laughs> they they ended up being a super super tough matchup for them, and I was I was very impressed by that. Yeah, I think an interesting team to look at on the bubble is Michigan State. I thought that they were going to be solidly in, and then they lose to Maryland, who they're not on the bubble, but they're like a ten seed, eight nine ten seed. Um, they don't have a great record. They got some great wins at the end that I think will help them. Uh, went over Michigan, went over Illinois, went over Ohio State also. Yeah. Um, those are really going to help them. They're listed as a fr- last four buys. Um, I think so they they'll be, be in. Yeah. I think they'll be in. But, I mean, having that first round – not first technically first round, but their first game, they get bounced from the Big Ten tournament, I think did not help their case. But, 
Yeah, I think they'll be pretty solidly in. Boise State losing was tough to Nevada. I thought they were probably going to be in. Derek Alston was a beast um, this year. I think they're probably out. But, yeah, I think a team that potentially could pull some upsets on the bubble, I would say, is that Michigan State and Syracuse teams. Um, they're – they're obviously big name programs and they're sitting on the bubble. And I mean, they've got pretty solid teams. I wouldn't want to play them. Boheim is a sniper. <laughs> yeah. I really like Boheim. Uh, you guys want to take a look at that blind resume? Yeah, we'll definitely. Yep. Let's do that. Kyla, can you share your screen for that maybe? Yep. So I don't know if Jack has it pulled up. I'm I have it pulled up. Oh, you do? Never mind then. So you're just going to, Kyla, just throw it up. Uh, if you're listening, it'll be on the YouTube if Kylie ever does that. Great radio. <laughs> but let's take a look. I have the four teams, so I'll let you know afterwards. But I want some initial reactions here. We'll kind of keep this short. But let's see what you guys think. Taking it in real quick. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I guess I'll point out some things that kind of stand out. Uh, team one has some huge uh, – like their strength of schedule is by far the hardest. And they kind of have some great wins, and they just have a lot of losses. If you look, 5-11 and 11 in that Q1, that's kind of why they have all those losses. They're playing a lot of really quality teams. And then, sure. uh, let's see, Team 3, they haven't really played any tough games. They've mm-hmm. played a pretty weak schedule. Um, so those are kind of some things you got to look at. So what do you guys think? I'm thinking, so right now, according to Lenardi, three of these teams are in, two of them are bubble teams, and one's – First four out. One thing. I like, go for uh, it. I like team one and team two. I like yeah. team two. You know, the one one and seven uh, Q1 wins is – that's tough. But the six and one with Q2 and six and one with Q3 and three and oh in Q4, like, I feel like they're a good team. Maybe some of those games that they lost, the seven that they lost, might have just been close and not gone their way at the end. Um, team one – their strength of schedule, like they were playing the best guys, the best teams, it looks like quality teams. And I'm, I'm looking a lot at the Q2, Q3, Q4 of what, how they performed against those teams in the 4-1, and 2-0, 4-0, and even 5-11. and 11. Like that's really speaking to me. Um, I'm not big on this, this team three or team four though. I would agree with that. I think team one has a pretty impressive resume, 5-11. and 11. Yeah, but you look at strength of schedule number two. Uh, they've beaten the number two team in Ken Palm, and their worst loss is 69th. I mean, that's not bad at all. Number two, originally when I first looked at this, one and seven was like blaring, like, hello. But <laughs> you look at the rest, Q2, Q3, Q4, I mean, they're taking care of business in the games that they should win, it seems like. Um Obviously, don't know what who the team is, but uh, they could be in a tough conference. And those Q1, like Jack said, could come down to the last few minutes. I mean, um, I've, Team 3 has – I mean, it's not a bad-looking resume, 14-6. Um, I don't like the strength of schedule. That's going to hurt. Um, but, I mean, they've gotten a few wins from – when they've had an opportunity to play those Q1 and Q2 teams. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm not even really looking at four. I'm not huge on that resume, just looking at it. Um, yeah. Yeah, what do you guys think? I think, what do you think? Yeah, so I think obviously I'll, I'll agree with one. I feel like we see that team make the tournament every single year. That is a brutal conference, presumably, that they're playing in. I like team two as well. Team three is sweating bullets at the moment. I think I know who team three is. Uh, and team, I, I like team four better than team three personally. I look at the, uh, the you know, you got the stronger strength of schedule. Uh, average Kempom wins higher. Average Kempom loss is lower or higher depending on how you want to look at it. They're losing to better teams on average and they're beating better teams on average. So I, I think in order of magnitude, I'd say team four is the closest to being eliminated, whereas team three potentially is on the outside looking at who, here. Who do you team think team three is? St. Louis. I feel yeah. 
pretty comfortable saying that's St. Louis. It yeah. is. Because you, yeah. you look at their, you know, you've got that five Q1 games there and the 14 mm-hmm. and six record with a lot of Q4, Q3 there. And to me, it was just like, okay, that sounds like a team that's bottom of the bottom of the discussion right now, you know? And as of right now, uh, Monardi does have them as his last team in. Yeah, so going across the list, team one, Michigan State. So we've kind of decided they're in. Uh Team two, Syracuse. So Buddy Bayheim's in. Okay. Uh, Team three, St. Louis. And team four is Mississippi. They're actually 16 and 11 now. They lost to LSU yesterday. So all these teams are done. So they can't improve the resume at all. Mississippi's going to need a lot to go right Mm -hmm. uh, in order for them to make the tournament. This was obviously made before – this was made yesterday before they lost. So they were a little closer to the bubble. But, yeah, as you guys can see on this – spreadsheet we're going to move on to the mid-major report which is just going to be quick because a lot of teams have gotten eliminated but i'll talk about a few teams that i really 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 like and first being just the conference the mac we tweeted about it a couple days ago when the tournament was starting with toledo kent state buffalo akron and ohio i thought ohio was the sleeper in that uh you can ask everybody. I was saying that before they're in the final. They're in the final now. Shocking. But uh, Jason Preston was out, so they were kind of underseeded in that tournament. They've lost a few games, but Jason Preston, if you haven't been able to watch him play, he's really fun to watch. He's a walk-in, like, 20, like 17, 5-5 five and five type of guy. He Good for a triple-double. They took a, that really good Illinois team that we've been talking about, took him to the last second. I think they lost by three in that game. I really like whoever comes out of the Mac, I think is going to upset a team. They'll probably be between a 11 to uh, 14. I think if Ohio wins, they'll probably be like a 13 or 14. And if Buffalo wins, they'll be an 11 or 12. So like, let's say they play Villanova in that first round as an 11 or 12 seed. I see Buffalo upsetting that team. I really, really like Buffalo. Um, I'll let you guys talk about other teams. Um, and then I'll, I have a list that I'll mention, but I'd like to hear who you guys are looking at. Today. Yeah, I've got two um teams that have already punched their tickets that i'm looking at for potential upsets i think liberty um Mm -hmm. whoever they get matched up with unless it's just a matchup nightmare i think they're pretty much they're gonna be picked a lot for upsets i think um they're really good defensively which that helps in march a ton um like I said, unless they get matched up with just like a massive team like North Carolina or something like that, which I don't think that North Carolina will be that high, but I think they're a team that's going to have an upset. And another team that I like is UNC Greensboro. They've been mm-hmm. consistently – they've had five straight seasons with 20, uh, 20 or more wins. Love their coach. He's a young – up-and-coming coach. I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten a huge offer at a major conference school. Um, But I kind of like what he's building down there. They're consistently competing to be in the tournament. I mean, they've been in a tough Southern Conference um, the last few years, and they constantly continue to make it out. Um, I think they're another team that's going to be sitting at the 12 or 13 that I would not want to play them. Yeah, so yeah. talking uh, mid-majors here, I guess uh, BYU would technically quantify yeah. this one. Uh, really enjoy that team. Seeing them take the fight to Gonzaga in that championship game was really impressive. I somehow forgot that Harms was there. I don't know how. I feel like that's that's the first time where a, a team and a player divorcing has actually benefited both parties. I can't remember that really happening, but you know, you saw Purdue's improvement. You saw his improvement this year too. Another team I want to give a shout out to was Wichita State. They mm-hmm. played probably their ugliest game of the season oh, against 100%. USF in the first round and still managed to come back and sweat that one out and get the win. They're playing Cincinnati here today. But just what Isaac Brown has been able to do with that with a team that was, you know, engulfed in controversy at the start of the season, losing Greg Marshall. They're and a bunch head, of transfers. And a bunch of transfers too. Having Isaac Brown come in as an interim head coach get that full-time position and actually turn them into a strong team right now is, I don't know if strong is the right word, but a, a relevant team, yeah. a tournament team is really impressive to me. I wanted to also piggyback too off of uh, the Buffalo pick here. 
Buffalo, to me, I will always have a soft spot for the Mac. I feel like that conference just loves reading Cinderella stories. I think back to Antonio Gates at Kent State, which was, mm-hmm. shoot, 2003 or something like that. But that, that, that Buffalo program has been a very, very strong one for, I, I want to say, the last five or six years. You know, the last time they were ranked, they beat, uh, they beat Aiden at uh, Arizona. They upset mm-hmm. him. So that that's that has been a very very strong program, and coming out of a conference like the MAC, that's that's pretty dang cool. Jack, you looking at anybody? Uh, I like Loyola Chicago. I know they're yeah, definitely yeah, they punched their ticket, but I like the uh, the coach uh, Porter Moser. I think you know he's got that experience. He's been there before. Uh, he knows what it takes, and I like I like his team a lot. I like him coaching them a lot. Um, and I could see them upsetting a team. I'm big on Loyola Chicago, Chicago for like kind of that underdog who can beat a big name team. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping they move up to like a seven seed because right now they're sitting at like an eight. I like, I like them. I don't know if I like them enough to take them beating a, like a one seed. So if yeah. I could see them beating, like if they play Houston or somebody in the second round, I'd be yeah. much more comfortable taking them. But uh, kind of moving on here, some other teams that we haven't really mentioned that I think we should. Drake looks like they're probably going to be in, according to Lenardi. They lost their point guard, Roman Penn, but they're going to get back their second-best player, uh, Hemphill. So I think they can make a run. Not Penn being out is really going to hurt them. I think they're probably might upset as a 12 seed, but I, I don't know. I don't love Drake just because of that injury that really holds them back. Mm-hmm. Another team, I don't know if you guys watch this game, Winthrop is – dangerous they play a six seven point guard who's had a few triple doubles he's averaging like 15 a game and then they have a high major dude that transferred ej burns who absolutely put on a show in that championship game he get 20 hit over 20 points he looked great i think that's a really good one-two punch and then they played pretty solid defense and if they can have that consistent three-point shot like they had in that tournament i think the big south tournament they're going to be a tough team they'll probably be slotted in that 12 to 13 as well and I kind of like – I don't know if they'll upset a team, but I think they have a lot of potential to. Another team, UC Santa Barbara, they played a night at 1130. Uh, if they win, I liked, I like them as well. I was kind of telling them before – telling the guys before. Uh, they're comprised of pretty much all high, high major transfers. They're point guards from Oregon State. They're power forwards from Oregon. They have a guy from Nevada. They have a guy from Temple all in their starting lineup. So they have a lot of guys that were highly recruited out of high school and maybe just weren't ready for that high major – at the beginning, but now they're coming into their own. So I, th- I really like this team. The Gonchos, great name. Yes. So they're a team to look at. Colgate, another team. They're 13 and one. They only played conference, so they they're not going to have a great resume. So they might be a 13 or 14 team. But Jordan Burns is a beast at point guard. Shout He's out, a score first point guard. Yeah. And uh, we have a friend of the podcast, Keegan. That's their center. He had 21 in their semifinals. So that's another team to look at. I think they should probably win their game today uh, against Loyola Maryland. I think and they should be in the tournament. I like them. I will keep an eye on them, depending on matchup. Obviously, these are all – a lot of these are matchup dependent. And then the last team that I think isn't matchup dependent is Western Kentucky. If they beat North Texas, they're – I don't know who they play in the first round, but they're winning. They beat Bama at Bama, and we know Bama's really good. So this is a really good Western Kentucky team. They literally have a five-star, Charles Bassey. And Tavian Hollinsworth is a stud at small forward slash point guard. He's like – he plays the three, but he's like 6'2". They have a really versatile lineup with a bunch of good players comprised of a lot of scores and that's something that you kind of want to look at so I really like Western Kentucky so if I were placing my bets on teams to upset whoever comes out of the MAC today and Western Kentucky are probably my two favorites that I mentioned and then I I love the ones you guys talked about like Western uh, Loyola and things like that but I think we do also need to talk about some teams that are mid-major conferences but also uh, like a little bigger so that would be the A-10 and the Mountain West, we'll just kind of touch on that. How many teams do you think get in for that? So Mountain West, we're looking at right now, San Diego State, solidly in, and then we have Utah State, Colorado, Boise State. I think we kind of mentioned this a little bit, but just quickly go through how many of those teams are getting in. I I think the Mountain West is going to put two in. Uh, Boise State, I think they're done with that Nevada loss. Colorado State losing to Utah State by double digits yesterday, I think. That's a that's a big damper. Um, I think, um, I I mean the A ten, they, I don't know, maybe 
I think for the A10, it's just gonna it's gonna be VCU and the Bonnies, and then yeah. maybe St. Louis. Yeah, I think we could probably yeah. add at that. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say probably three. I feel like St. Louis will probably get the nod. Um, I hope obviously I bearing, make in the tournament. bearing like Georgetown or teams like that that yeah. shouldn't win the conference Georgetown tournament. Georgetown State. Winning. That's what yeah. they're gonna be watching today. Yep. All right. So let's move on. We're just gonna do some tournament predictions. And then we'll call it a day. Watch some basketball for the rest of the day. So first off, ACC, we got Georgia Tech versus Florida State. Who you guys got? Florida State. Luke Highly. Florida State. Highly. Seminoles, baby. I I think Florida State's gonna win, but I'm rooting for Georgia Tech. Let's go. Moses Wright's gotta stay out of foul trouble yep. for me. Yep. Otherwise, That's... I think they're in big trouble. Yep. Uh, Big East, Georgetown, Creighton. Creighton. Georgetown's hot right now. I'm Georgetown. riding the Georgetown train. Georgetown. It. Georgetown. Yep. I like Creighton. I think Creighton <laughs> matches up pretty well with Georgetown. But it's Marsh. Who knows? Uh, Big Marsh. Ten. We got the semifinals today. So who's playing in the finals tomorrow? Illinois, I think Michigan. I think it'll be Illinois, Ohio State with livers out. And I think Illinois wins the Big Ten. I'll say Illinois, Michigan with Michigan taking it home. I think Illinois is way too hot. I think we were Jack and I were at the game. It was loud with a bunch of Illini. <laughs> ILI or ILL. I-N-I. We love it. It's hype. I like I like Illinois too. I think they're my no matchup nightmare for sure. No one. Uh, Big Twelve. We got Oklahoma State, Texas. I think. what well, I know what you guys are gonna say. Yeah. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, baby. Can't Texas is favorite though. Let's go hook them. I'm going Texas. I love nah. Texas. Courtney Ramey is going to drop 50. Pac-12. Colorado. Old Buffs. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking Colorado, too. I'm, I just I don't know anything about Oregon State, and I nope. already was I high on Colorado. State. I think McKinley Wright's going to take home that dub, something that they couldn't do last year, which is kind of surprising. I guess they couldn't two years ago. would have been better. But that's about it for us. There's one more, the SEC. Oh, shoot. You're right, the SEC. What do you guys got for that? Okay, Kylie. I was I'm riding out? the Arkansas train. Chug, chug, <laughs> chug, chug, chug. <laughs> so you got like, – are you going like to Arkansas-Alabama in the championship? Yep. I think that's going to be the championship, and I'd like Arkansas to pull it out. I think LSD is upset in Arkansas today. I'm going to say Tennessee versus Arkansas. Ooh. Okay, you got Arkansas Bama winning it. I do. I really like that Tennessee team. Alabama's really good too. Is that a is that guard plan for Bama today that got hurt yesterday? Primo. I'm not sure. Hi Jeff. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm gonna check right now. Yeah. We'll leave. Good. We'll leave with that. But yeah. I like Bama in this regardless. Uh, let's see. I like Bama, Arkansas and I like Arkansas because Moses Moody is a beast. I think either way we're gonna have a fun Saturday, fun Sunday, and I can't wait for Selection mm-hmm. Sunday. Uh, tune in next week, same time. Not actually, because Kylie uploads these whenever he wants to. <laughs> but appreciate the listen. Yep. Follow and follow our Twitter at Sigs Inside. Thanks, Play guys. Us. Yeah, boys. <laughs>